0: You ever have that moment, although you're very, you recognize all the blessings in your life, you still fill that gap, the hole, right? And then it's this thing that you can't really put a name to. Well, if you're anything like me, you you know that something is missing, and you think, well, if I just dig deeper, if I just work a little bit harder, then maybe I'll be able to figure it out. But do we ever consider that that vacancy that the vacancy inside of us is because we're not allowing God to fill us. Maybe that thing you are missing is simply because you choose your own will over God's day after day after day, until the bottom falls out. Because when the bottom drops out, we all call on God and we beg for mercy. Well, you all know about the five unacceptable truths. They're located on the sides of the stage. I call them thims. And it's just my acronym so that I can keep them straight in my head. But the S stands for spiritual emptiness. And emptiness refers to nothingness, to avoid. And we want, we don't want people to feel that, right? We want people to have a sense of spiritual vitality. Like, where vitality means being strong, active, and with energy. And I found this meeting on Oxford Dictionary online, and it says that vitality is the power giving continuance of life present in all living things. Whew, I like that. If we all felt that power of spiritual vitality, we might feel like the disciples in the early church after Jesus' ascent into heaven. You know, the Bible teaches us wisdom. We need to read it to look for clarity in who Jesus wants us to be. He's always trying to lead us towards peacemaking. Peacemaking in our relationships, peacemaking in our rescue of others, but most important, peacemaking in the vitality between us and God. Now, have any of you ever seen that movie Bird Box? I don't know if you guys seen it, it's the one with uh, Sandra Bullock, it's a couple years old. Not, it does have a sequel, but I'm not talking about the sequel. Um, Well, don't worry, there's no spoilers here. But you have to know, Bird Box is a really scary movie. I mean, I watched it in the safety and comfort of my home, and there were like 53 times where I was like, I'm not breathing, I'm not breathing, oh my God, I'm not breathing, okay, I gotta breathe. It's a scary movie. It's so scary, well, here's the gist, let me tell you why it's so scary. The characters are trying to stay alive from an invisible force that convinces them the deep nothingness inside is too big and they have to end their lives. And really, their only weapon is to not look at the invisible force, so they all wear blindfolds. The entire movie for me is like a metaphor for spiritual emptiness. I mean, I can't see the void, I can't touch the void, but it can end my life. That's a scary movie, people, that's scary. Luckily, it's just a movie, yet, our world's real-life emptiness is not a movie. It's not pretend. It's not made up. It's real. So what's God, God's answer to help us, to armor us in this battle? Well, we can look to our Bible for wisdom and guidance. And in Acts, we learn that after Jesus defied death, he hung around for a while teaching the disciples about the ways of peacemaking he wanted them to do. In Acts 1-4, he reminds them that the Holy Spirit is coming. And then some of his disciples ask him to foretell the future about Israel. And I love his response. It's basically like, uh, none of your business what God's doing. Just focus on the fact that you're about to experience something big, and you need to be able to tell everyone on earth about it. Then Jesus takes his rainbow ride to heaven and leaves his crew completely and utterly confounded, mostly because not only did Jesus tell them that the Holy Spirit is coming, but he tells them to go wait in Jerusalem for it. Jerusalem. Staying in Jerusalem was like a death sentence for them. It was like being in the Bird Box movie without a blindfold. The powers that were still be, that were wrangling up the supporters of Jesus and silencing them forever. So here's the first note-taking point for today's themes. God may give you messages that you don't like. God may give you messages that you don't like. God is not always in agreement with you. Everybody just breathe, let's just take a minute. Oh, that's, that's a tough thing to hear. God's message may not be something I like. I mean, let's look back to these early disciples. Wouldn't it have been the perfect opportunity for the disciples to use their own will in decision making? I mean, Jesus is gone. Their their lives are in danger in Jerusalem. They could have rationalized the reasons for leaving Jerusalem and maybe even for going their separate ways. And they'd be right by today's standards. I mean, don't we all do this every day? I know I need to read my Bible, but work is just so crazy and I don't have time for that. Or I know I need to pray, but feels weird. And I, I would really love to be a part of like something big, like ending human trafficking. But I am really overwhelmed with like what that could look like. I don't even know where to get started with that. We all know that God is calling us towards peacemaking, but we rationalize it away because our will doesn't always fit God's. But here, here's what, what's important, what the early church members did. And they listened and followed Jesus' instructions, and they stayed together. They huddled up in a house on the second level, and they waited. Some accounts say there were up to 120 of them in their house. 120, I mean, who knows? That could be like a fishtail, like Dennis, right? Like, I don't know where Dennis is, but yeah, I caught a fish this big, right? Right? <laughs> I was in a house with hundred and twenty people i don't know but it is for sure the original 11 disciples plus a new guy they just voted in good on him jesus's mom and brothers and some other men and women they prayed together they ate together and they generally waited for something invisible to come to them so here's the second note note taking point prayer with others is important now, during the same time, it was the Jews' Festival of Weeks, and this is where Jews from over 17 geographical regions pilgrimed to Jerusalem. So the town was full of people from all over, and most of them not speaking each other's languages. So, this is another example in the Bible's wisdom and how it almost always highlights someone as the other and uses them as the witness to something amazing. So we're gonna look at Acts 2, 1 through 7. Hey, you all remember my pink Bible from last time? She's back, yeah. So the first sentence in Acts 2, 1 says, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, remember, when the Bible was written, all these events had already taken place. So on this particular day, The participants didn't call it the Day of Pentecost. They didn't wake up knowing the event was gonna happen today. But in retrospect, the day is being written about. It's called the Day of Pentecost. And it's known as the day that the Holy Spirit came and the promises from the Old Testament along with Jesus' own words were fulfilled. But let's keep in mind that in the moment of that day, The early church members had no idea today was the day. Now, you guys, this is so important for us to keep in mind now because you never know the day your miracle is going to show up in your life. The other half of that first sentence in the Bible says they were all together in one place. So let's not underestimate the value of being present to friends and family, being in fellowship with one another. It's absolutely correct. The Bible encourages us to seek isolation in times of quiet to reach God. But it also encourages us to seek time with others. Okay, so continuing with Acts two, one through seven. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, suddenly, There was a violent rushing wind that came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Hold up. Wait wait just one minute now. Let's just pause there for a second. Is my pink Bible off her rocker? Like, we're in the New Testament, right? Because wind and fire, that's the Old Testament. And in fact, this morning when I woke up, and I went outside, there was a violent, rushing wind. And I was like, Lord, I just did my hair. Like, what? That's not the message I wanted. But I took that violent, rushing wind as confirmation that the Holy Spirit has come. And then there were flames, right, of controlled fire that separated away from itself and landed in front of each person. And if God did it then, he might do it now. If we're open to the possibilities of his miracles, Okay, so what happened then in the story? Well, then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Ooh. Okay, now we're speaking in tongues. All right. Well, I know this is getting scary territory for some of you. I mean, has anyone ever actually heard anyone speak in tongues before? A few. Okay, a few. I haven't. But I have seen enough uh, movies and YouTube videos to know that I would be freaked out to hear my closest friends break out in speaking in tongues at the same party. I'd be freaked out. Now, remember, the Bible is for themes of wisdom. So let's discern what the Bible is meaning by speaking in tongues in this section, okay? Pop quiz. You guys know I'm a former educator, right? Pop quiz. Why do the early church members start speaking in tongues? A, to sound more sophisticated, B, to scare the witnesses. Or C to create common understanding. Okay, turn to the person next to you and tell them your answer, A, B, or C. What do you think? Hmm. Well, if you chose C, congratulations. <laughs> this is what Acts 2 5 through 7 says. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in their own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Entonces, imagina que aquí mismo, ahora mismo, comience a hablar un idioma completamente diferente y podrías entenderme Why are you guys looking at me strangely? I was just speaking in tongues. Okay, that was Spanish, my favorite language. And I just said, so imagine that right here, right now, I started speaking in a different language entirely and you could understand me. Well, now, some of you could could understand my horrible dialect and you are the rock stars in the room. But let's pretend that some of you only spoke Spanish and some of you only spoke French and some of you only spoke German. And I started to speak to you now in each of those languages. This is exactly what the Holy Spirit did for those early church members. It gave them the superpower of being bilingual. I love that. And not only did the members start speaking in different languages, but they were preaching the word of God. Amen. Preaching the word of God in every language. This is good stuff, guys. Yeah, so they were declaring the magnificent acts of God in a way that all could participate. There were no others anymore. So here, here's the third note-taking point. The Holy Spirit is the answer to spiritual emptiness. Let's say it again. The Holy Spirit is the answer to spiritual emptiness. You don't know what to say? Pray on it. You don't know how to say it? Pray on it. You don't know who to say it to? Pray on it. The Holy Spirit will inspire your words. Let's learn to use the use of our tongue and our speech as a blessing to others and nothing less. The Holy Spirit proves that hope is here. The new language of peacemaking is hope. Okay, now BibleRef.com really explains so well the scripture that we just read and the important actions that follow after it. It says that Acts 2 presents the end of the age of the Mosaic law and at the beginning of the church age. Now, ever since the Israelites escaped slavery in Egypt, God had dealt with them in his creation primarily through the law he gave Moses. And as the Israelites abided by that law, God blessed them. And when he broke the law, God judged them hundreds of years of history proved the israelites were incapable of fully keeping the law no one can be good enough to earn god's favor god must be the bridge the gap to call, god must bridge the gap excuse me caused by sin in order to bestow his forgiveness and that's why he son, sent his son jesus The Mosaic law has proven it cannot save. Only Jesus can and only Jesus will. And now it's time to spread the good news. And for that, God chooses to rely on Jesus' followers. But they're not alone because the job is too big. He sends the Holy Spirit to dwell in each believer, equipping them for the job ahead. And here's what happens next. Peter, now enlightened by the Holy Spirit, addresses the crowd, and the sons and daughters standing with Peter are witnessing that Jesus has died and rose again. Now the prophet Joel actually prophesies this exact moment in Joel 2, 2 through 8. He said, I will pour out my spirit on all humanity, then your sons and daughters will prophesy. And this is the time, this is the time on earth when prophecies and visions and dreams are real. Jesus of Nazareth is revealed as the Jewish Messiah they've been waiting for. His miracles attest to the truth. He fits David's prophecies from Psalm 16, 8 through 11. I always let the Lord guide me because he is my right hand. I will not be shaken therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices my body also rests securely for you will not abandon me to sheol you will not allow your faithful one to see decay you reveal the path of life to me in your presence is abundant joy and at your right hand are eternal pleasures and when the crowd realizes that they have been complicit in the murder of god's messiah their reaction is immediate They follow Peter's guidance to repent of their sins and agree to be baptized as public admission of their new loyalty. And in response to their faith, the Holy Spirit comes to them. In all, about 3,000 people joined the church that evening. That's a big fish. 3,000 people and at 4 p.m. today, like Ryan said, anyone who accepts Jesus into their heart can be baptized at Soldiers' Canyon Cove in Laurie State Park. It's at four o'clock, but if you're like me, on time means 3:45. I'm always late everywhere I go. I just threw that in. Many of the new believers have no real idea who Jesus is beyond Peter's quick sermon. So the infant church provides what's needed by teaching about Jesus and about the signs and the wonders and they had community through joint meals and a unity that extended even to personal property. And in one day, the church was formed, all through the coming of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Now I started out today asking if you have ever felt like there was something missing in your life, if you have ever had that moment, although you recognize your blessings, you still fill this gap. If you are looking for an avenue for spiritual vitality, the Holy Spirit is present and available to you. Now, the Christian tradition often uses this beautiful metaphor of accepting Jesus into our hearts as Lord and Savior. And, and that metaphor is about choosing to take on his will for your life. It's really a powerful and important first step in a peacemaking journey. It's not about going to heaven as Pastor John Smith reminded us a few weeks ago. It's about committing to a live to living a peacemaking life that brings heaven to earth. You could do that right now if you wanted. If you've previously made that commitment in your heart but over the years you've disconnected from him, you've built walls around your heart or you've been the cause of sorrow in others, or a hole inside you that has grown from a little seed and is now a gaping wound that is so obvious, then right now, in this moment, it's okay to bring your heart to God and commit to living to God's will fully in your life. It's simple, but it's not easy and let's learn from our friends on the day of Pentecost let's get together with a group and read pray eat talk with others who are also seeking spiritual newness now newness doesn't mean new to Christianity it means new to continually deconstructing your faith it means new to submitting your own will to allow the Holy Spirit to communicate what acts of peacemaking you need to do today do tomorrow, do every day of your life. We are peacemakers, and as peacemakers, we are not gonna do anything to further anger, further injustice, further violence, further hatred in this world. Now, for some of you, that might mean eliminating the urge for road rage. For others, that might mean you have to seek out others that are different from you and serve them. For some of you, that might, not, that might mean not posting anything on social media that alienates groups of people. I don't know what it means to you. I only know what the Holy Spirit shows me on my path. But I do know that the Holy Spirit is real and waiting to connect with you. As the Holy Spirit is the flow of communication from us to God and Jesus, remember that God may give you messages that you don't like, Remember that prayer with others is important. And remember that the Holy Spirit is the answer to spiritual emptiness. So don't be like those characters in Bird Box movie being blindfolded to survive life, right? Here's the last note-taking note. Choose to embrace the power of spiritual vitality as the power-giving continuance of life present in all things. Now, you know what character I want to be like? Timothy Ballard. So I just watched this movie, Sound of Freedom. It's awesome. This movie addresses one of our five unacceptable truths of modern day slavery. And there's a lot of talk about this movie which tells the story of Timothy Ballard. He was a former undercover operator for Homeland Security. He spent um, over 12 years working against child crimes and child trafficking. Now, the film has sparked controversy in some circles and praise in others. Like all movies, creative licenses are taken, as with any story. The power is often in the story itself. What it causes us to feel and how it motivates us to become a better version of ourselves. So movies and stories are a beautiful source of motivation and truth. Not necessarily history and facts, okay? But it's the truth that transforms us. Stories have a powerful way of uncovering hidden parts of us, and I think this is what that movie did for me. Now, I'll be honest, I heard the movie was coming out and what it was about, and I wanted to go see it, but I also didn't, Like I just really didn't want to expose myself to the emotional upheaval that that topic of the movie might cause. And um, I kept feeling in my spirit, little prodding that I needed to go see it, and I kept ignoring it, because my will is good, right? But then a friend invited me to go, and I said yes. And that prodding inside of me settled. And as I was watching it, I realized I'd been like the characters in the Bird Box movie, just wearing a blindfold to avoid the truth. But that's no way to live. I want to be like the main character in The Sound of Freedom, Timothy Ballard, because he doesn't bury the calling in his heart. He follows the will of the Holy Spirit, and he did something miraculous. That's who I want to be. So what about you? Is there anything in your spirit that's been prodding you to do something about, but you keep stuffing it down with rationalized excuses? Last time I was here with you, I told you that my cool pink Bible has some campfire stories in it. I want to read you one called Welcome to the First String taking place when Jesus is still on earth, telling his disciples that the Holy Spirit is coming. Remember, I didn't write this, but it's still really good. I've always been on the B team. My athletic dreams died in fourth grade when I was cut from a basketball team in a league where cuts weren't officially allowed. Evidently, I'm a glutton for punishment. I kept trying out for sports teams into my high school years. I even donned a couple of uniforms, but I was always second string. I may be best suited for warming the, the bench in sports, but in the kingdom of God, I'm a starter, and so are you. He puts us all in the game with this final charge from Acts 1-8 but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria until the end of the earth. So please excuse the continued sports analogy, but this moment between Jesus and his disciples is the huddle before the game goes into overtime. Jesus arrived on earth as a baby, shook up the political and spiritual climate during his brief ministry, died and rose again for the sins of humanity, and spent 40 days on earth in his resurrected body. All that remained was to run the ball into the end zone. Jesus looked at his disciples and passed. He didn't need them for that final play, but he invited them onto the field nonetheless. This is how God in his sovereign goodness has chosen to spread his good news. We have the privilege of being Christ's witnesses, telling what he's done in every corner of the world. Jesus gave the charge to a small band of followers in Jerusalem a moment 2,000 years ago and at least 6,500 miles away from where I am now. Yet his words were as descriptive as they were prescriptive. What started in Jerusalem went on to send shockwaves in surrounding territories in the Middle East, and it keeps on spreading. The unifying and liberating message of the gospel of Jesus permeates geographical, political, and socioeconomic barriers. No longer bound to a handful of Jewish men, it's now the treasure and mission of millions of Christians around the world. Jesus did all the work. He accomplished our redemption on the cross, but by his grace and through his power, we are the conduit that carries the good news to the hurting, the broken, the wayward, and the enslaved. You and I are called to more than benchwarming in the kingdom of God. Amazingly, he has chosen us, best suited for the second or third string, to tell the world about our Savior. He's given us the Holy Spirit, the very thing we need to carry out the mission, and the victory has already been won. Thanks be to God. So let's get off the proverbial bench and embrace that we are all the hands and feet of Jesus, here to learn and love, here to support and inspire, here to spread the good news. And with that, I'm going to encourage our room host to come up and we're going to engage in our offering and our giving. And let's encourage the worship band and enjoy this song together. Thank you.